Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. And on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. And also uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Podcast One, a great landing spot for Minnesota podcast. You'll find us there under Lakes, Woods, and Irons. This segment of the show brought your way by Holiday Stores in Cross Lake and on Mill Avenue. And also by Maury's, where you can eat more fish. Stop for lunch at the Mobile Galley in Brainerd. Great lobster rolls and fish tacos, Maury's in Motley and Brainerd. Chris, uh, another uh, another week goes by in the summertime. We were just saying it's hard to believe how fast time's going. Oh, gosh, we're almost in September, Mac. It's, uh, we are on the uh, going into the best part of the golf season, really, play-wise, I think. But uh, it's hard to believe we're almost, already almost to September. Right. It's uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. You can, I guess, kind of tell by the official golf calendar. The ladies had a major, and the men had the first round of the FedEx Cup. So uh, that does mean uh, we're getting close to Ryder Cup and uh, those kind of things as well. Anna Nordquist uh, wins on one of one of the toughest courses in the world, Chris. Yeah, here last week we were talking about. Uh, I was saying how hard Carnoustie was, and. Uh, the women tore it up. Of course, the weather was perfect too. So, um, but they played uh, very well. And uh, boy, I thought Nellie Corda was going to win another one after she got off to a quick start on uh, uh, Thursday and Friday. Kind of faded on Saturday, but played reasonably well on Saturday and got another top ten. But uh, Anna Norquist really played well on the weekend. Yeah, boy, the men's Open Championship and the women's. Uh... There was no teeth in the weather, which is pretty rare in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it's very rare. I'm I'm hoping that continues for my uh, my upcoming trips at the uh, first part of October here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And Tony Finau on the men's tour with the FedEx Cup, the first uh, uh, the first tournament in the series of three, and uh, Finau gets a win. John Rahm kind of lets it slip away, and uh, Finau is. One of those guys that's talked about kind of like the company of uh, Monty and those kind of things. He hadn't won a tournament since 2016, which is unbelievable with his talent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's hard to believe. It seems like he's always in the hunt. And, um, you know, he's a guy that I kind of dismiss because he, he, he doesn't win. And, um, but he, he seems to have all the potential in the world. And then if you go look at his stats, he's, he, you know, he's one of the best players on tour, which is, um, you know, in, in all statistical categories and, uh, number, you know, that win brought him number, number six in Ryder cup points. So he's automatic bid for the Ryder cup. Um, or excuse me, he, he moved him into the, the, the second six. He's not one of the automatic, but as well as he's played, um, you know, winning last week and then, uh, you know, the last third of the season would be hard not to pick Finau. Plus, he's he, a great player to play, especially like the, the alternate shot with. And yeah. He's such a strong, hits it forever. And uh, when he's not not on Sundays, he he putts so well. So He uh, kind of looks like, you know, he's the guy with miles of talent and uh, hasn't had the wins on Sundays. Although he kind of defended himself as a pretty good closer, but I think he just got a little, maybe a little defensive. But uh, yeah, he was—he's he, one of those guys where you watch and you think this guy has everything in the bag. Uh, even last year when DeChambeau was making big headlines and uh, with his distance, and 
a couple of holes, Finau just tried to stay with him and and just did it. You know, just like, well, I can swing that hard <laughs> if I want to. <laughs> you know, Finau's power, his, his power is, is he he swings it at about 70% all the time. And uh, a couple of years ago at the Masters, I, I was standing behind him on uh, on one of the practice rounds on 10 T and um, he let a couple, you know, a couple drives go that were just as long as I've ever seen anybody hit him there. <laughs> and I went and watched him at the range following the round and he, the speed he creates is incredibly impressive. You know, he, he's tall and he's got these really long arms and, you know, when, when he's, Playing, he, you know, he kind of makes this three-quarter length backswing, but uh, when he lets it go, it was a three-quarter length swing. He's the longest, one of the longest guys on tour, but when he lets it go, he is big-time long. <laughs> uh, but he, he he's very impressive to watch. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, one of the real likable guys on tour, it seems like, so uh, I think probably a lot of uh, players glad to see him win. Then another fun one, Chris, that uh, we've talked about over the last few years for sure is the ultimate pressure of the end of the season on the Corn Ferry Tour is is really as much or more than the guys on the big who are already on the PGA Tour because there's just uh, mountains of pressure on these guys to get in the top 25 on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah, it uh, it is uh, it's replaced really the uh, the tour school finals, which were you know, kind of golf's ultimate test. And, um, you know, gosh, those, those guys in the bubble who are playing for their livelihood for next year, it's an incredible uh, pressure-packed couple weeks for them. And uh, it, it really means, you know, to be able to finish in that top top 25 and have, uh, you know, if you, if you finish in that group, you're going to get into virtually every tournament you want for the following year other than the, the WGC events. And um, it it really it will really catapult your career if you can get out there and then stay out there and um, it's a it's a huge uh, huge couple weeks for those guys. Then how does it work exactly, Chris? Because uh, fifty and fifty one is pretty important too, correct? Yeah. So the top twenty five uh, get full status on uh for on the pga tour for next year yeah uh 20 26 through 50 get conditional status which means they will get in a large portion of the events they want to not everything um and then the the players like you know 51 and above do have some they they, they automatically get their corn ferry status for the following year uh, but they will have a small amount of status on the PGA Tour. But you know that the the difference between 50th and 51 is probably um, you know it, it's a half million dollars if you have a okay year at best. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure for those guys and fun. No question. It's what they work their whole lives for. Yeah, you know? exactly right. Yeah, coming down to a. 12-foot putt. <laughs> All right, we're going to be back with uh, Tom Kinsley uh, from Madden's. He'll fill us in on uh, all things Madden's golf in the fall here, September and October, so some good opportunities there. We'll be back with a conversation with Tom after this. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. 
Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ The Fan. Also find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and uh, Podcast One as well. Really, wherever you can find your podcast, you'll find us under Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Brought to you in part by Ernie's on Gull, the On Point Burger Company, a great addition to Ernie's, locally owned and globally loved. Special guest uh, with us today that's been on the show with us a number of times. Chris, I'll let you handle the introductions. Well, welcome back to the show, Tom Kinsley. Tom is the uh, Pro Shop Manager at Madden's East and West Courses. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks, Chris and Colin. Great to uh, be on your show again. Yeah, good to talk to you again, Tom. I think, was it last year when we had the great big article in the newspaper about uh, Mr. Kinsley? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm getting close to that point where uh, it might be uh, time to uh, maybe do something else or I can't imagine what that might be, but, you know, as you get older, you got to start thinking about <laughs> other things to do. But, you know, it'd be, it'd be kind of hard because, you know, after being on a golf course for all these years, it's just going to be hard probably like Chris, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And me, too. What, what else? You know, I, I really can't do anything else, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that, that's the good thing about my job, Tom. One, I can't do anything else, but I, uh, uh, old old golf pros don't have to retire. You can just keep teaching. So. Yeah, there you go. And that's probably oh, what pro shop managers, and, you know, that's what they do too. So you're around a golf course, you're around great people. You know, how can, you know, how, it's the, the greatest thing I can imagine to be doing. Yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. we've talked about that a lot on the show. That the business you you two are in is uh, just puts you in front of good people all the time. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's the best place to be up here in the Brainerd Lakes area on the golf course. You know, there's just a lot of great people, beautiful weather, beautiful scenery. You know, great wildlife. Everything's great about being on a golf course up here. No question. Tom, you uh, you know you, you've been in the Brainerd area a long time, and, and you've uh, you've been involved in a lot of the golf development in the area. You know, starting in the Pines, helping build that, and then um, help build Craigans uh, Golf Courses, the Legacy, and now you've been at Madden's for a long time. And um, gosh, we're seeing a we're seeing a kind of a boom again in golf course construction in the area. Give us your thoughts on all that. Yeah, you know, after seeing everything um, happen in this area, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's so neat that the Brainerd Lakes area, the central resort area of Minnesota, you know, was able to have all these golf courses built in, in a pretty close area. We're really spoiled that way. And, you know, because of that, I think it was the impetus for this next spurt of, you know, adding on to golf courses, remodeling them, redesigning them, you know, a new course, the gravel pit going in. So it's just, you know, it's just neat that golf is, you know, in a boom period right now. You know, we don't know how long it'll last or how long it'll go, but just to see the uh, numbers of golfers playing all the golf courses, everybody's busy, everybody's having a great year. You know, we're we're seeing an influx of the juniors, Chris. I'm sure you see that as well. I mean, it's it's a it's a great time to be part of the, part of the golf business. Yeah, we 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 had uh, you know a few lean years, um, you know, in the last decade, but things are definitely on uh, on the upswing, and I, hopefully that continues. I 
um, I, you know, I live on men's West golf course and, uh, one of the, one of my favorite golf courses in the area, but, uh, I've never seen it so busy this summertime. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. And it is, you know, probably my favorite course here at Madden's even working here. Like I, I play once a week and it's men's league at, at, uh, Pine Beach West at Madden's on Thursday. And, you know, I get done working, fly over and tee it up and, hit the ball in the woods or whatever but anyway <laughs> it's fun you know i really like that course too it's it's you hit a lot of your clubs if you're not playing good on the par threes you're gonna struggle probably to score a little bit but you know it's a really really fun course and you're right i mean it's just been it's been booming we've had uh you know record numbers of play on that course this year so yeah i had a really good round there this year the only time i played there i should probably come back because i haven't had a lot of really good rounds anywhere else <laughs> yeah, were you, weren't you playing with your wife? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I thought I saw her over there too, but yeah, well, good. Yeah, that's awesome. Tom, you know, hard hard to believe somebody wouldn't know about Madden's, but it, it, for our listeners that maybe aren't familiar, tell us about uh, the golf at Madden's and Pine Beach East and West. Sure. Um, yep. Yeah, so um, you know, we have four courses here at Madden's. Of course, cl- the classic. Everyone's heard of it. It's the top one hundred golf course in the united states pine beach east was built in 1929 um it's uh the the granddaddy here in the brainer lakes area and and at madden's so being built that long ago um you know it really hasn't changed much we we have done you know some some remodeling and some one green complex which is a little different than the rest of them hole 15 we did that a couple years ago the fun about this course is when you're done playing, you're going to go, Oh, wow. You know, I, that was fun. I had a great day. It's harder. It's harder to lose balls here. You can, you know, spray your ball around, not necessarily endangering anyone because there's plenty of separation, but you can spray your ball ball around, locate it, find it, advance it, recover. And, uh, you know, it's just a really fun course. And across the street at the West, Pine Beach West, you know, it's a little shorter, you know, a little narrower, maybe more of a premium on a hitting it straight, because um, I don't think you can, you know, start spraying around there and, and get away with it. But, you know, it's just a really fun track. You get to use all the clubs in your bag, and so I really like that. And then our social nine is for, you know, all kinds of different people love to play that, from our from our guests to our members to the juniors to beginners it's you know it's a it's a gem and and people have really been playing a lot of golf on that course too it's all par threes and one par four and you can check into that um at the pine beach east pro shop as well and uh we don't take tea times there it's a it's a walk up you just check in at the pro shop at pine beach east and and we get you out there we had the opportunity, a great opportunity, a couple of years ago, several years ago now, maybe uh, just in time. We had Jack from Rutgers and Dutch from the Legacy and Fred from the Pines and Brian from uh, Madden's. Uh, and they all kind of, it was fun because they kind of joust about the first golf course, you know. And I, I know Pine Beach East is 1926, according to the website. Yeah. And uh, all the guys were... Kind of well, we had the first six holes. Wait a minute, I had the first nine holes. It was really, actually, it was really fun to talk to those four guys who have been, who meant so much to uh, golf in our area. 
Yeah, I mean, those guys, a lot of history involved with uh, with all those guys. I remember that interview you guys did, you know, what a treat, and some of them, are, I know at least one has passed on, and, you know, um, yeah, we just are so thankful for them and their vision and their, their uh, ingenuity to, to get things uh, started and turn into this area. Tom, some of the best uh, some of the best uh, food venues in the area, Madden's features some really good opportunities. Yeah, you know that's that's another thing that we're really well known for. We um, our food anywhere you you choose to go eat here. We've got the Fairways, which is right right next to the Pine Beach East Pro Shop, and the 19th Hole is there too, which is, it has more sandwiches. The Fairways is a you know nice breakfast dinner spot. Mission Point is the, probably my favorite place on the lake to, uh, you know, experience a dining event. Um, you know, it's surrounded by windows that are looking over Steamboat Bay and the channel there between the two. And then uh, the classic is probably, you know, from what I can estimate from talking to people is that it's their favorite place to eat in the area, even even all the locals. Um, they don't take tea time, or, excuse me, reservations for dinner, but they do you know, have a patio seating and then the inside at the dining room. So they can seat quite a few people. But that's been a really busy venue this year. If you wanted to eat there, probably get there at around 5 or so. Um, and you should be able to get in there without reservations pretty easily. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely take advantage of those uh, dining venues at Mad. Some of my favorites in the area for sure. And that you're right about Mission Point. It's, it's one of the best spots on the lake there, Tom. Yeah, you know, I think your daughter, Katie, she's does she still work at Chrissy's? Now, there's another thing that you can get, you know, when you need some ice cream, come on by for that, too, because, uh, <laughs> you know, you go in there and you get the the sundae, and it's way more ice cream than you could ever believe that you could eat. <laughs> <laughs> but you, yeah, give it, you give it the old college try, though, Tom. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that ice cream parlor is a little too close to my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just no. buzz over with your uh, golf cart. Out. Is Katie working there or not? She is. She is. Oh, She's cool. had a good yeah, summer I thought there. I saw her down there, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Tom, what, uh, you know, it's hard to believe we're, in, we're already thinking and it kind of feels like fall today. Uh, I know you've always got some nice uh, fall uh, offers to play uh, play the golf courses. What do you have coming up for this fall? Yep, so uh, one of the favorite uh, uh, programs that we run in the spring and fall is our, it's called our Play It All. And that's uh, you get four tickets for each course, our Social 9, Pine Beach East, Pine Beach West, and the Classic for $99. And uh, you can play anytime after, I believe it's September 20th to the end of the season. Uh, you, you just buy it at the counter. You get the four tickets for each course. Play any time between uh, September 20th, the end of the season, and uh, all it costs is a cart fee for that. And uh, you know we have a lot of people that uh, come up here. You know, stay lodging, lodging only, and use their passes to to uh, be able to play. You know, four rounds of golf. So it's a it's a pretty good deal. It's really a, a uh, something that's really taken a lot of interest in the, the golf community and, and a lot of people do use that so and then we do have like our, our normal things and I think I've 
talk to you guys about it before it's our driving range. You know, hit a hit hit a bucket of balls, five, seven, ten dollars bucket, and uh, we take that right off your green fees at any of the courses in uh, in the Madden's complex. My favorite day is Monday. It's um, Breakfast Club, forty five dollars, eighteen holes with a cart and breakfast, and the breakfast is is super. So that's every Monday, including including Labor Day. So. Um, if you're thinking about doing something, you know, call in and sign up for the uh, Breakfast Club. And then we have our Twilight, which, you know, Labor Day moves up till 2 instead of 3. So now we get, of course, it's getting darker sooner, but also you get to play a little bit earlier in the in the day. So then that's, uh, that's our lowest rate of the day on both the east and west. It's 24 walking, 36 riding. So, um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's a good time to be playing golf up in the area and what a great summer we've had so far and you know we're just looking for a great fall as well to to be able to uh you know finish off our season and in great shape are you uh are you doing that chili open at uh yeah yeah. west this year yeah thanks for asking yeah that's one of our our more popular tournaments that fills up pretty quick it's already you can sign up at line online to on madness.com for it and uh, that's october 2nd saturday First, first Saturday in October, so you know we're looking forward to that. We do have a, um, you know, one first time ever at the East. Well, maybe before they had it too, but w- since I've been here, we haven't had a member guest tournament, and uh, that's happening this coming Thursday on the second. So we're kind of looking forward to that event too at the East, and you know the Classic in the West. All of them have uh, different events here. September is our biggest golf uh, month of the entire year, or so. Um, you know, we're all strapping our belts and, you know, it's kind of sad in some ways where we, we've, we're starting to lose some of the kids to college and, and, uh, you know, saying goodbye to them, but, you know, we're, we're fully staffed and we should be able to have a, have a real good year, um, you know, going through September into October. Tom, we know you got a meeting coming up. What a surprise that you and Chris are, are busy running around the golf course all the time, but, uh, we sure appreciate your time and, uh, uh, busy time of year for you, and uh, look forward. Maybe we could get out and play golf one day, Tom. Who knows? I love that. Yeah, maybe me, you, and Chris. That yeah. would be quite a threesome. That would be a miracle, actually. <laughs> I would enjoy both that. you guys. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom. Thanks for taking the time. That is Tom Kinsley, Pro Shop Manager at Madden's. Lots of uh, great deals and lots of activities happening at Madden's all over the place. So put it on your calendar for the fall and uh, late summer here. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and also Podcast One, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, and really where all your podcasts are found. That brought your way in part by Craigan's Legacy Courses. A lot going on at Craigan's and uh, more great golf in the future. Chris, very special guest, one of our, our good friends on the show, and I'll let you handle the introductions. Yeah, I want to want to welcome back to the show a good friend, uh, Trip Bowden. Trip is uh, the author of Freddie and Me: Life Lessons from Freddie Bennett, uh, Augusta National's le- legendary caddy master, and was the first white caddy at Augusta National. We've had him on the show before, talking about Freddie and Me and some of his other books, and he just came out with a new book uh, recently with the, the co-author with Steve Scott. Hey, Tiger, you need to move your mark. Welcome to the show, Trip. It's an honor to be back with y'all. I always enjoy being with you. Y'all ask the best questions. 
I mean, uh, sure. give the best answers, but it's always uh, <laughs> a wonder to uh, go, hmm, exactly what do I feel? And I'm not so sure, but yeah, it's great to be back. Well, back tri- to trip it, to life. trip. it's great to have you back on the show. You know, it, in the past, your books have been uh, primarily, you know, kind of about yourself and your experiences in golf. And uh, your new book, uh, Hey Tiger, You Need to Move Your Mark, is is, is about Steve Scott and his uh, loss in the in the U.S. Amateur Finals to Tiger. And t- tell us, how did that book come about, Tripp? Oh, well, that's a great question. Uh, it came about by pure accident or God was smiling down. Steve had actually, I met Steve, he's the uh, head pro for the Outpost Club, and they always do the big pig pole at Doc's house uh, on, on Wheeler Road in Augusta, Georgia, every Tuesday uh, before Masters, or during Masters Week. And I met him there, and he actually interviewed me. He's got a podcast with the Silver Club Golfing Society. He actually interviewed me, and then, I don't know, six, eight months later, it was like around Christmas time, he asked me to come out to uh, Champions Retreat which is in Augusta, and it's fabulous. What a fabulous golf course, and the conditions are insane, and the food's phenomenal. And he said, come out and speak to my group, but it was for like the championship thing, I think it was. But he said, you know, I don't want you up on a podium, you know, just sit at the table, and we'll tell stories, and you tell your Augusta stories, your Freddie and me stories, and everybody in the group got a book of Freddie and me. And just chatting away, and, you know, having some dinner and some beverages, and having a good time, and I don't know what brought it up, but Steve, who was sitting next to me, he was at the head of the table, and he was talking about the USAM back in 96 when, as we all know, he lost the Tiger at the last minute, so to speak, and an amazing comeback by Tiger, which we've seen so many of those. And he just happens to mention that on the 34th hole, you know, Tiger, best Tiger to move his mark because it was in the way of his putt. And then as he's walking off the green in a different direction, to his caddy, which was his, uh, Chrissy, which became his wife. She normally would be on the right-hand side. This time she was on the left-hand side. First time the whole week that she happened to be on that side. And he left him to look over his shoulder, and he told me he hadn't looked at the Tiger all day long because he didn't want to get caught up in how good he was. And he just points. And you can actually see it. Um, there's a thing on YouTube It's called All Square, the golf week of golf that I just put together. And you can see Steve pointing. Like move it back, and he just casually said, "Yeah, you know, move it back." Like like I would say, "Hey, pass me the butter at the dinner table." <laughs> and when he said that to me, in my head I went, "Wait a minute," because of the way the match stood at that point. You know, you're three up with two to play. If you say nothing, you win the U.S. Amateur. And Steve, he's a very humble guy. He said, well, I never really thought of it like that. But, yeah, I guess I would have. I went, whoa, wait a minute. You changed <laughs> history, bro. You reworked history. What a humble and great, phenomenal act of sportsmanship. And my just writing brain just exploded. And I said, i got to tell this story. And it, maybe a month later, I just called him up and said, i got to tell your story. And I didn't really know Steve all that well. But we actually wrote it during the pandemic. And... I know him better than his wife does, maybe. Except <laughs> in the biblical sense, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a story. You know, Tripp, I, I remember that, that U.S. Amateur so vividly because I, I was uh, 
uh, I was in the, the second year of a, a head pro job. And that Sunday we had a, a event going on. So everybody was out on the golf course and I got to watch most of the final that day when it would, when it came on TV and, you know, it was pretty historically a significant day, you know, Tiger, I think had won, uh, 35 straight matches between the U S junior amateur and the U S amateur. That's and so th- this, this was, you know, to win his 36 straight match, a third U S amateur, which had never been done. And potentially it was going to be Tiger's last amateur event before, before he turned pro. And, um, you know, Steve Scott at the end of 18, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he had him down five, down five down at the end of 18 holes in the 36th yeah. hole final. Is that right? That's, that's correct. Too. So, so, and I don't think Tiger had ever been hardly even been down in a match, much less five down. So, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it, it, when, Tiger, Steven or Tiger got Steve back to square at about what? 13 or 14. Is that, uh, they, I thought, uh, actually, they, they weren't, they didn't get back square till, uh, the 18th hole. Oh, yeah, like, oh, so, but, yeah, but so he, he, that about, I'm sorry, about, about Tiger being down or never being down. He was never down in any of those, uh, matches that led up to the final, but in every finals match, including his junior, uh, amateur wins, he was always down. And they, I think the year before Steve, uh, was trip Keeney or the year before that name, anyway, it was six down to him. And came back, yeah, and three yeah. down or something like that to Buddy Marucci, and yeah. after eighteen, just insane what he can do. Anyway, so I'm sorry that probably wasn't your question, but it just made me think. No, but I mean it, it was it was an amazing day, and uh, it wasn't that Steve had played played poorly on the back. It was just the, on the on the fourth nine. It was that the Tiger turned on Tiger and was playing incredible. But Tiger uh, shot that. Sorry, Tiger shot 65 on the second 18, and Steve shot 70. Can you imagine being five up with 18 to play? You shoot 70, and you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, crazy enough, I don't know if uh, I'm sure you recall if you saw it. Uh, the putt he made on I guess it would be 15, the par five at Pumpkin Ridge, the 40 footer for eagle. Steve was telling me he could easily three putt this easily, and Steve had like a tap in for birdie. So he's like, the match is over right here. Right. But, of course, that didn't happen. Tiger made that 40-footer, and even Phil Knight, who was there, and Phil Knight actually had a really nice quote, nice quote, uh, which is on the cover of the book, about Steve's act of, act of sportsmanship, said, I've never seen that putt made in my life. <laughs> I've been out here for 30 years. And Tiger made it. Tiger being Tiger. Tiger being Tiger, isn't that the truth? Wow. I, I I think I can see you in some of these uh, chapter titles, uh, having read your other book, Strip, and it's kind of fun to, uh, they all kind of have that kind of fun imagination, but uh, I just got a copy of the book from Chris here, the, the, just to, to look at for the show, and uh, The Space Between, I thought I started to read that last night, and uh, kind of a cool title, and uh, and uh, an interesting an interesting thought process having a 90 minute break there in the match. Yeah, uh, can you say that? Because that's that's one of my favorite chapters. Certainly, one of my favorite titles. Uh, Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, <laughs> you may recall. Can I can I tell a quick Dave Matthews story? Yes. Okay, I'm uh, caddying at Augusta National and dating a lovely young lass uh, named Allison Chance, and she's going to Sweetbriar College up in Virginia. 
uh, and it's all girls. So I'm like, hey, perfect school for me to go visit you. <laughs> and they have like one of the biggest endowments of any college in the world, which is crazy. So they get in these you know, bands on the weekends, and they, they get there's there's no budget basically. It's like a Gus National for girls, except it's school. And she said, well, come up, and, and um, there's a dance, and then there's a, a band playing on Sunday uh, in the Dell, which was, you know, a salute kind of place. And I said, well, I guess I could take Monday off from caddying, so it was going to be on Sunday. So I'm there, and maybe 30, 40 people at the most. And there's this band, and they have two drummers, and they're fantastic, and the, and the band's fantastic. I'm thinking, what are they doing here? And... Allie tells me that, uh, that's what I called Allison Allie, that the lead singer dated a good friend of hers. I was like, oh, okay. So at the, at the break, they take a break, and, and uh, the lead singer and I have a couple of beers, and I'm thinking, dude, and I finally say it, you know, what are y'all doing here? I said, you're fantastic. You're incredible. He goes, ah, we're just trying to make it, man. You're trying to make it. And he said, you want a CD? I said, sure. And I pulled up my wife. He said, no, I'll just take it. And it was Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. He he was going places. <laughs> and it was still him. He was up there twitching, you know, with the feet jumping and everything. And and he sang the Trippin' Billies and Satellites and all that. But he, he wouldn't take my money for a CD. He said, just take it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be with Dave Matthews. And then when he made it there, I went, oh, oh shit. I drank beer with that guy. <laughs> Which I thought was really cool. He, he was very humble. You, you've, you've always been a good identifier of talent, Tripp. <laughs> Only I didn't find myself. <laughs> Trip, you know what? The, what was so, the question? Such a, <laughs> such a big, such a big part of that day, uh, that final match was was uh, Steve's caddy, his now wife Christy, and uh, t- tell us some of her story. Oh wow! Uh, it's actually in the, in the book where she talks about the uh, first time she met him. She actually didn't really meet him. Uh, it was on a golf course, and I'm blanking on the name of it. Uh, she was on the golf team at a school, a high school, that was different than his. And he was a, pretty much an American badass, uh, no one player in Florida. It's not like Steve was a chump. In fact, when he played against Tiger in the USAM, he was the number two amateur in the, in the world. It wasn't like he was a clown, even though no one knew of him. No one knew his name because he was, wasn't Tiger. But uh, she says she sees him and checks him out, and he's like, well, that's a good-looking dude. And she says hello to him on the putting green, and he goes, hmm. She's like, really? Uh, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out Steve was good friends with one of Chrissy's best friends, and I'm blanking on her name, sadly. But they somehow worked a deal where they end up going to the mall together in Florida, and she gets introduced to him properly, and I think he's driving a red Miata or something like that, which is funny because it doesn't really seem to fit his personality, but... And kind of one thing led to another, and this guy's pretty cool. And they're 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 crazy in love. They're a beautiful couple. We've got a great family, and and she's during the tournament proper, which is maybe what you're asking, is that she was so good about just getting into the moment. And when he was struggling, she would tell him to swing like Nick Price. She she says he can mimic any swing, and he swing like Nick Price, which is kind of, you know, a little bit bowed and quick and getting back into to the realm. And he said he wouldn't have been anywhere near that if it wasn't for, for her and 
I think I believe he shot seventy nine sixty six just to qualify for the uh, ninety six USM uh, match play. But the year before, this is kind of crazy. Uh, he loses to Buddy Marucci in the semifinals, and Buddy ends up going to the finals against Tiger and, and loses. There's a lot of stars aligning for all this to happen. Yeah, no kidding. You know, the, 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 the U.S. Amateur is, is really, it's not a golf tournament, it's a marathon. And, you know, to, yeah. to get to the finals, you, 36 holes of, of stroke play, and then, then you've got uh, um, five matches, or four matches plus a 36-hole final to get to, to win. So just to, to yeah, you almost, it's more of a, a uh, sustaining yourself than, than trying to win. So it's phenomenal just to get there. But, you know, losing to Buddy Marucci, that, that's one of the other all-time great ma- amateurs, you know, so. No, oh, no question. Buddy's up there with the best of them. That's I mean, a, it's, uh, I mean, there's only one Bobby Jones, and then there's everyone else. But, but yeah, it, it's uh, interesting you call it a marathon, Chris, because uh, there's, there's a part in the book about, I think it's like 5,380-something participants or to try to get there. When you think about all the stages you go through, and then you know, finally you get to the, you qualify, and that gets whittled down to 64, and 64 becomes, remember, I'm not very smart. 32. 32. I'm going to say 38. How am I doing? And then, <laughs> down there, down there, and then, and then you're in the finals. And but, but Steve Scott, he, uh, to back up a second, during our uh, writing of this book, which what I did was interview him and uh, on a recorder, digital recorder, and then I would you know put the headphones in and try to make him sound like Shakespeare, which he has a great memory phenomenal memory it's amazing how the details in the book of what he remembers it, it really is incredible but just to get that far and to do it twice in a row and he said to me which because i kept thinking god oh man you were five up and you shoot seven and you lose and he said you know at the end of the day trip what that taught me was that you can win in life without winning and i've won in life he did the right thing and I and I have asked this question to people, and I certainly hope I would have done it. But y'all both think about it. If you would have noticed what Steve noticed, you know, Tiger didn't move his mark back. If he doesn't move it back, if you say nothing, you win the U.S. Amateur. Right. Would, would you Would you have said, "Hey, move that back"? I mean, it wasn't like Tiger was Mister, you know, Happy Joe, and he wasn't your buddy. He told me Tiger never said a word to him except on the first tee. You know, nice to meet you. Shook his hand, and that was it. Never said nice shot. Never said f off. Nothing. Spoke. Never even looked at him. So it's not like you're playing with a good guy. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but he ain't Mr. Friendly. So you're gonna tell Mr. Friendly to move his mark back? I don't know if I. I mean, I hope I would have done it because it's the right thing for the game, and that's what Steve talks about in the book. Doing the right thing and doing what's right for the sport. I mean, Bobby Jones would have done it. Ben Hogan. No one hell he would have done that. <laughs> Sam Snead have done it. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure Jack Nixon would have done it. Bruce Kepka wouldn't have done it. Hey, hey, Shambo, you lose. <laughs> but but no, would you, would, if, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what would you what would you have done? If I may ask. I, well, I I can tell you if if I would have been in the right frame of mind, I I would have definitely done it. I think a lot of people wouldn't have had the. 
they would have been so into the moment they wouldn't have even remembered that Tiger had changed his mark. But there's definitely a faction of players that would have not done it. And but uh, you know it's it's one of the great. Uh, th- there's a lot of great moments of sport sportsmanship in golf, and that's one of the great things that that comes out in the game of golf is the gentleman aspect of it. Uh, but there, you know, th- that ranks up there with with Jack Nicklaus conceding to Tony Jacklin in the in the Ryder Cup and and yeah, Bobby Jones. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, Bobby Jones. Uh, calling a penalty on him on himself when nobody saw the ball move, and you know th- those are great moments uh, in the game of golf and what separates the game from others. But you know, it, w- one of the cool things I remember in watching that was Steve Scott didn't even think about it. So which tells you about the, the type of person he was. He just as he's walking past, he notices that he, Tiger hasn't moved it. He says, "Tiger, don't forget to move your mark." You know, so pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I wonder if Tiger would have done the same thing. That's a good question. Hell no. No <laughs> offense, Tiger. If you're listening. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think he would. I mean, that taught him to be a, it's actually in the book, uh, you know, an assassin. I'm taking you down no matter what. And like I said, you know, I, I hope I would, I, I know I would do it. At least I think I would. But at this age, uh, gents, I don't know if I would. As a young kid, Maybe so, but his, his life has kind of beat me up like it's beating all of us up. It's like, <laughs> you're a wank. Uh-uh, you're going down. Yeah, yeah. And, and think how the, the lives that would have changed. And this is also kind of kind of wild and crazy to think about. As soon as he does that, or as soon as sorry, Steve tells Tiger to move the mark back, and Tiger ends up winning, and then what's it, a day or two later, he does the Nike commercial, Hello World. Right. And a few months after that, he wins his first you know, tournament on the tour, and then... The Masters comes up, and he wins by, what, 12? Yeah. And Steve was there, too. And Steve said he saw him twice, and he never spoke to him. He wouldn't acknowledge him. Steve missed the cut, unfortunately. Kind of went and did a... And actually, crazy enough, Steve became the number one amateur in the world in 97. But then he got the yips, and that's how he developed that claw putt thing. And uh, there's so much to talk about if, if we want to go deeper into that. But I just think, what a... When he said it to me, it was just because that changed. As I go back a bit, him telling Tiger to move his mark back, and then of course Tiger makes the putt. It's like an eight footer or something like a gimme, or maybe it was a ten footer. If he loses that way, ain't no way in hell that Phil Knight, who has a forty million dollar contract in his pocket and a Montblanc pin to hand it to Tiger to sign, he's not gonna give it to him then. If he loses like that, right? No way in hell. Not remembering and the rules. what his yeah. dad would have done to him. <laughs> or berated him. I mean, beat him senseless. Mentally. I don't know about physically. I don't know that part of things. But, not, you know, he's hard on him. Yeah, yeah. And, and what kind of confidence? Would you, if, if you were in his shoes, I personally don't think I would have the confidence after that, the question of myself, to lose on such a boneheaded mistake. Right. So, so natural in the game, you move it back. It is an incredible story. I personally story. never experienced wow. that in my golfing life. I don't know if y'all have where you tell someone to move their mark and they don't move it back in, in that kind of environment. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great story, and it's under undertold, I think, in the world of sports. I know sports pretty well and uh, not really familiar with this. Uh, I guess I knew maybe it happened, but um, I, didn't know. I sure hope people read the book and, and uh, think, wow, like you're saying, it could have. It would could have easily changed uh, changed a whole lot of lives in the world of golf especially. 
I totally think it would. Well, actually, it it, uh, it was released June first of, of this year. Yeah. And like I said, we wrote during the pandemic, which was, I guess, a great time to write a book. It was, God, it was so weird. So so good to be back to somewhat normal. Uh, and it um, debuted at uh, it was number three on Kindle in golf, and number eight in the hardbacks for uh, golf books. Nice. It's exploded. It I think I think everyone's bought a copy, but you too. <laughs> I like to wait till after the interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, I'll get free ones. I need to send y'all. I, I know I sent y'all the uh, digital version, but I'll I'll send y'all some hardbacks. Just well, don't just don't put them up, up on eBay. You know, if you have weeks, <laughs> no <weeks of> bucks. <laughs> well, well, we'll sure look forward to getting it and reading it. Reading that trip. Uh, where, where can where can people buy the book? Hey, Amazon and your favorite bookseller. What's what's the best way to purchase it? It's either, well, if, if someone wants a, a personalized copy, meaning uh, you know I will personalize it to whoever buys it and their name and everything and sign it, they can go on to uh, tripbowden.com. www.tripbowden.com, and I will ship it out right away. Trip. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> Trip, we always we always appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing your stories and uh, look forward to having you back again soon. Thank y'all. It's an honor to be on the show as always. Y'all ask great questions. Thank you, Trip. Have a great day. You too. Y'all take care. Be safe. That's author and uh, I don't know. Is he rack on tour? Trip Bowden. We love having him on. Terrific stories and this is a good book. We want to put. Put it on your list, and it's a looks sounds like a fantastic read. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons. Colin McDonald with you, Chris Foley as well, of course. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, and uh, find us on Facebook at Lakes Woods and Irons. Leave us a comment there, a question if you like, and also uh, podcasting at pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. You can find us at Lakes Woods and Irons. This segment brought to you in part by uh, Craigans with uh, uh, all the activity going out there with the Layman 18 going in and Dutch's and the par 3 course. And you can even go visit Chris on the practice tee and get a lesson from one of the best in Minnesota. Chris, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Mac. Thanks for thanks for having me on again. Yeah, of course. Well, it's your show. We have to have yeah, you That's on. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> You never know, though, Mac. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're not promised anything, I guess. That's right. Next week, two new hosts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Wright, we were talking about FedEx and uh, uh, all the. At the end of the year, there's always, uh, like especially boy, the last couple of years for the American team in Ryder Cup, there's guys charging down the stretch trying to make this team, and when you start trying to trim the American uh, team down to 12 players, it gets really tough. Yeah, it uh, you know, and, and this year with they they changed the selection process a little bit with with COVID, and um, you know, normally it's it, it's been anywhere from from uh, eight to ten automatic qualifiers for seems like forever. Yeah, and uh, with COVID they they changed to six automatic qualifiers, so uh, and six captains picks. I, uh, I I'd almost rather just let's see do twelve automatic qualifiers and let those games play they've played the best over the two-year period and and uh, forget about the captain's picks but it always makes it it makes it more interesting but uh you know we've we've got our six automatic qualifiers in Colorado, Colorado, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Koepka and Justin Thomas and 
the ne- the next two tournaments this week and next weekend will be ter- will determine those uh, those other six. So there's really uh, among those those six, there's about twelve to sixteen guys that uh, could really any one of those guys could be picked. I think they'll they'll pretty much go off points list for the for the first three or four, and then uh, then Steve Stricker may kind of you know go with some wild cards. So it'll be yeah, it'll be an yeah. interesting couple of weeks to see what happens. Yeah, you kind of figure guys like Finau are just in with a with a win in a FedEx Cup tournament yeah. late in the season. But uh, you, you know, Spieth seemed like he might be close to a shoe in, and th- and then he had a a Spieth moment here this weekend where, where he gets back to back triples on Sunday, and uh, you know goes from eight under par to two over par in about five holes, and you're just going, what's going on? I mean, yeah. once in a while that happens to Spieth, it seems. It it does, but I I think he's. I, I... I can't imagine not having Spieth on that team, and uh, he's he's played so well. And uh, you know, the beauty of match play is you can have a few of those holes, and and it, it might not have a huge impact on on the outcome of the match. So uh, I'd, I'd have a hard time not not picking him. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the the interesting one is is going to be Patrick Reed, and. Um, you know, out with uh, one, he, he had an ankle injury two weeks ago. Yeah. But now he's he's in the hospital. They're saying with double pneumonia, which uh, they haven't said that, but that that sounds like COVID to me. Right. Uh, so that that um, again, I I, w- I would not leave Patrick Reed off the team for sure. Uh, if if it's a healthy Patrick Reed, but if uh, you know if he's having some health issues, that that opens up a that's a, that, those are big shoes to fill and read. I mean, he's he's an incredible rider cover. Yeah, he really is. He's faced down the best that uh, Europe had to offer uh, several times. He 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 gets lit up for that competition, which is you got to have those guys. Yeah, no question, like him or not, his personality, he, he he can play. And when when there's American flag flying, he can really play. Yeah, yeah, he can. Chris, uh, you had a, a story of a lesson this week. We want to just kind of relate to it that you thought we might uh, we might be able to pass along and do some people some good, maybe, huh? Yeah, you know, I, I always uh, I like to share those stories, you know, kind of unique stories on the lesson tee. And uh, this one maybe wasn't so unique, but it, it's a lesson that I love to love to give when you get the opportunity because you, you don't get to talk about this as much as you should on the lesson tee. And I had. A, a longtime student who uh, really, really works hard on his game and, and um, has really lowered his handicap, but, but just like all of us, has some, some ups and downs in his, in his game and is trying to get better and has kind of been going through a, uh, after playing really well most of the summer, has, has played not so well, you know, the last two or three weeks. And, um, you know, so we had a lesson and really ended up not being he was swinging very well uh so we really didn't didn't talk about his golf swing at all but we really we really focused on how he's approaching his play for number number one and then secondly uh how he practices and you know we talk a lot about uh, you know are you exercising are you practicing but uh you know in his case it really helped truly he's very um technically minded and and really you know knows his, his golf swing well but he's really always focused on on mechanic the mechanics of his swing and which when you're practicing 
a, a you know a certain amount of time should go to to working on those those mechanics, and that that's how you change your golf swing. That's how you get better. But to to take it to the golf course, you really have to um, you know practice more like you play. And and in his case, he was you know he was hitting a lot of golf balls, but he was really focused on. Uh, maybe not the right clubs. He hit, he hit a lot of fairway woods. He'd hit, uh, uh, you know, a lot of long iron approach shots, which is fine. But you know, he he the he would get, you know, if you, if you look at your rounds of golf, you you know, how many long irons, how many uh, fairway woods do you hit in in the holes? Usually, you know, a couple, one, two, three around. Yeah, um, yeah. especially if you're a good you're gonna, player. Yeah, and. But you're going to hit a lot of, you know, mid irons into into holes. You know, 125 to to 175. He needed to focus on on those clubs more in his practice. And then the the second half of it is practicing more to take take things to the golf course. And and that that type of practice, and we, we did some of this was, you know, picking out specific targets and. And hitting hitting to those targets and switching clubs frequently, like you would on the golf course, because the golf course is a one shot environment, um, you know, where you have time in between shots and, and you're hitting a different club on every shot. Uh, practicing more like that, so maybe you hit a driver and then you hit a nine iron, and then maybe maybe you hit a seven iron to a different target, and then maybe go back to driver and so on. So. You, you're switching clubs, you're switching targets. And um, in his case, we talked a lot about his, what he did in his, his pre-shot routine. How did he approach the shot? Everything from, you know, picking out the club by, you know, analyzing the yardage and the lie and the, you know, the condition, the ground conditions and wind and all those, all those things that go into selecting the right golf club. And once you've got that selection, getting into the shot and putting yourself in a positive mindset to hit the shot. Yeah. And, um, you know, in his case, when he's on the golf course, um, he's still in his driving range mode where he's, he's, you know, going through his checklist of all his mechanical thoughts rather than putting himself in the positive mindset to hit the correct shot. And I think we all fall into that trap, um, at, at times. And, when you go to the golf course, you have to play golf. You can't uh, play golf swing. And we practice on the range uh, so we can, on the golf course, eliminate uh, thinking mechanically and playing golf and, and thinking about executing the shot, not executing our golf swing. So um, it was a fun session, and, and it, it was fun to see his next couple rounds. He, he really threw up some of the best or you know, scored some of the best rounds he had, had shot all summer. So Nice. Yeah, and if you're familiar with, I mean, your own court, most guys are playing one, two, or three courses, maybe on a pretty regular basis. So I love that idea of uh, taking it to the course with switching clubs and switching targets. You know just number one uh, on Dutch, the old number one. You know you hit driver and eight iron, whatever the club might be. Yeah. So on the range, you know the first four holes, what clubs you usually hit. So be easy to take that to the range. Go driver seven, driver nine, six iron, whatever the case might be. But yeah, be easy to 
map it out in your head ahead of time a little bit. Yeah, we, we often fall in the trap of, of when we go to the range. Um, you know, a couple of things that a couple of things that I see a lot is people tend to hit the, the, the their favorite club on the range. Uh, they tend to hit one or two clubs in a practice session, and most people really don't have a target in mind when they're on the range. They they just hit hit and hit out to you know out into this field and. Uh, the driving range really isn't the best practice environment because it doesn't simulate the golf course very often. So yeah. you, you've got you've to practice more like you play so you can take your range game to the golf course. Yeah, I think I heard you say, always aim at something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Chris, that's a great tip. I like that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mac. That is Chris Foley. I'm Colin McDonald. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.